0: Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. Back in the year 2000, for some of you, that was before you were born. Um, other people are like, "Haha." Um... Back in the year 2000, I worked at a store called Radio Shack. Anybody remember Radio Shack? Okay, okay, okay. And uh, I was sort of like wandering aimless. I was kind of out of college, didn't really have a plan for my life. Uh, And the Tandy folks had lots of plans for my life. Um, I liked electronics, and while wandering aimlessly through a Radio Shack store, I ended up with a job. Um, So I thought, well, I could do this and do it well. I really enjoyed the job and I could you know, explain stuff. It makes sense to me, systems and all those things. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, and so I, I kind of made it my life's work at the moment. You know, if you're 20 years old, uh, your life's work changes moment by moment a lot of times. Uh, so I did this for a little while and after a while, uh, my manager started to trust me, which is a scary thing when I was 20. Um, and he started letting me close the store and make the bank deposit. As I look back on it now, there's a reason Radio Shack went out of business. (laughs) No 20-year-old should be left with this much power. Um, And so what would happen most nights is we would close, I think it was eight o'clock, and so at seven o'clock, the second person in the store would leave. I would stay till eight o'clock, seven to eight o'clock at our store was dead close the store, count the money, put it in the bag, take it to the bank. So, you know, this became sort of a normal thing. Well, there was one uh, night, it was a Friday night, and uh, it got busy. About 7.30, it got real busy. And uh, I was, the store was full, and, you know, we would process, like, cell phone sales. Like, Radio Shack's goal was to put a cell phone in everybody's pocket. Turns out it worked. I don't think Radio Shack made it work. But, um cell phones would take forever because we used to have to call to activate phones. If somebody wanted a satellite dish, it was the same kind of thing. Sell so computers, same kind of thing. It would take forever. Everything took forever. It was like, and then at the same time, you have people coming in for like, I don't know what happened to Radio Shack. They got famous on like resistors and potentiometers and things like this, right? But they ended up getting out of that business. Well, this, these people are coming in, they're buying like resistors and stuff like that, asking me where things are. And the store is full. And I'm trying to process this cell phone. So I'm like on hold while I'm ringing people up. And um, I get to the, this other guy comes up and he says, hey, uh, you got a second? I I just need, you know, we're getting ready to go. Uh, My wife and I are going to go to the casino and I want to hand her one bill. I don't want to hand her a bunch. Will you take my 20s and change them out for a hundred? And I'm like on the phone, not paying much attention. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. So open the register, put the 20s, (laughs) like I know what's about to happen. Put the 20s in the register, take a $100 bill out, hand it to the guy, close the register and turn around. He goes, oh, hey, 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 uh, you gave me a 10. And I'm like, oh, I thought I gave you a 100. So he was like, never mind, just just give me my 20s back, I'll give you your 10 and we'll just, never mind. So he gave me the 10, handed him his 20s, he left, store closes, I start doing the register and it's $90 short. I'm 20 years old and it looks like I stole $90 from Radio Shack. Um, And and so immediately I called to the district manager, and I was like, listen, here's what happened. I don't know what to do. Panicked. I got tricked. And my boss, I mean, I ended up in a little bit of trouble for that. Um, I got retrained a little bit for that. But I, I hate being tricked. I imagine most of you hate being tricked, don't you? Like, anybody love to be tricked? Most of us hate that. And I think you know we we end up putting sort of ourselves on guard, don't we? Like, don't you? Aren't you sort of on guard against being tricked? Like, as soon as somebody offers you something for free, you're like, ah, but what's the catch, right? And you know, I mean, if you get the email from Solomon from Africa that he's a a prince and he's going to send you, like, you're like, I I don't actually believe you're going to give me 11 million dollars, right? You got we're we're on guard about being tricked. We don't want to be tricked. And so if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, right? And that's sort of how we, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And so we bring that mantra into faith in Jesus, don't we? Don't we sort of bring that in? We don't want to say that we do, but like, think about how you react whenever something supernatural happens. Sort of, you know, Ivy just shared her story, and there's some number of you who are like, well... Maybe she, maybe she didn't actually have the thing that she said she had. Or, you know, maybe, maybe she's only sort of, well, it just was coincidence, right? Like, some of us sort of, we bring this, like, this sounds too good to be true, right? Like, maybe the, you know, the bipolar thing is just going to, it's going to come back, and it's just like a momentary lapse, right? Like, some of you, any number of you in this, in this room are sort of like, you want to believe this all to be true, and there's a part of you that's like, but I don't want to be tricked because this sounds too good to be true. I mean, think about it for a minute. Any, anytime somebody has like a, a word of knowledge, right, you, you stand up and you, you go to somebody and you say, hey, uh, is this true? You know, I feel like God showed me this about your life. And the person is like, wow, yeah, that's true. Like your immediate reaction is like, well, maybe you knew that guy, Right? Maybe they knew something, or maybe you, like, ask somebody else, and it looks like it's supernatural, but I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be duped. I don't want to feel like a fool, right? Somebody being prayed for, and they fall on the floor, and you're like, he probably pushed them over, right? Or, or maybe they've been sort of conditioned, right? They've been conditioned. They're supposed to fall over, so they did, and any, like, we, there's a lot of us that wrestle with this, like, I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to believe something that's too good to be true is actually true, only to find out that it was fake, right? We don't like this idea that we could be tricked. We hate it. And especially when it comes to things around faith. And just so we're all on the same page, I'm no different. I'm no different. I find myself doing the same mental gymnastics, like, okay, let's sort of like weigh the, the odds that this actually happened, or was this really, like, I, I don't want to be tricked either. None of us want to be tricked. And so instead of embracing an actual move of the Spirit of God, we sort of begin our sort of mental process, right? Like, God is moving around the room, and we start trying to like rationalize it away, don't we? Have you, do you see this in yourself? Like some of you are like, uh, what are you talking about? This is yes, this is no, right? We do that. We sort of rationalize it all the way because we don't want to be tricked. We've been in this series through 1 John that we're going uh, all the way through the summer with called Love and Truth, and if you missed any week of this series, you can catch it on the podcast. We put them up every week. But in case you've missed it and you don't have time right now to check out the podcast, let me give you a quick summary of where we've been. This is the summary statement, and I've added, those of you who were here last week, I had it on the screen, I didn't feel like making Danny type it again. But here's the summary statement of where we've been. To know God is to be committed to loving Christian fellowship that is centered on Jesus because we all sin and need Jesus as our atoning sacrifice. And the line that I'm adding from last week is, do not trade this for temporary things. That's where we've been. And last week we said, do not trade this for temporary things. What I said last week is that relationship with God through Jesus has significant benefits. But often we're tricked into trading these significant benefits for temporary things that fade away, as John says, they pass away. And the reason that we do this is not because we just want to trade eternal things for temporary things, but often we trade these things because we don't even know that we have them. I said last week that our problem most of the time is not sinfulness, it's forgetfulness, that we forget what we have. So our first step toward protecting ourselves from being deceived is just being aware of what's ours in Christ. But when we're face-to-face with a choice, and it's hard to tell what the right thing is, when we're face-to-face with this idea that maybe we could be tricked, and uh, what do we do to discern what is from God and what's not? And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we know what's true and what's counterfeit? It's the next thing that John talks about. I'm calling this message Discerning the Truth. Let's pray, and then we're going to look at 1 John again. So, Lord, I do just welcome you into this space. And, Lord, you've already been present and active. And, Lord, we celebrate what you're doing here. We celebrate that you're active in our midst. Lord, that you care about... Wholeness and healing and reconciliation, even more than we do. God would you pour out your spirit in this place? Would you fill us again? Would you fill me again, Lord, would you enable me to speak the words that you desire to be spoken? Would you put power on this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First John, chapter two, beginning in verse 18. 1 John 2, beginning in verse 18, here's what we read. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. Whoever, uh, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you... See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. I don't know if you kind of like, there's the, the, these sort of trigger words, I think, that people see in this passage. And maybe you picked up on them. The last hour, the word antichrist. And from a number of you, there, these things probably trigger like, end times stuff, right? There's this strange fascination in American Christianity about end times and when will the Antichrist come and all this stuff. And John here in this passage, he uses this term Antichrist and he says this last hour. And what John is saying is is not that sometime in the future is the, the end times. What he's saying is the end times began when Jesus left and the end times will end when Jesus comes back. So we don't have to be in this sort of fortune telling trying to figure out and count the blood moons and, you know, how many evil people have come around. That's all nonsense. That's all nonsense. And I apologize if that like gets right to like, oh, that's what, that's, that's what I do. It's, it's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just fascinating, right? We, we enjoy it. It's fun. You can write a, a novel series about it, but it's not biblical, John right here is no more than 60 years after Jesus and is saying, we are in the end times now. We are in the end times now. And yes, we've been waiting for an antichrist to come, but what he says is, these guys, these false teachers, they are antichrists. So it's not some, you know, we're, we're waiting for Russia to move here and then this happens and the other thing, right? It's none of that. The end times is every time since Jesus left until Jesus comes back. And the antichrists are literally anti-Christ. They are against or opposed to Christ. That's the essence of what he's saying. And you have to understand that. And the reason I say that now is because if we don't understand that, we're going to miss what John's about to say, okay? I make that clear, good. Did I offend half of you? I'll try harder. Okay. (laughs) And so, right here, John is reminding the church of what it is that they have in Christ. He says, don't get tricked by these false teachers who say they have a special anointing. We've been talking about this, that these, these false teachers left saying, we have a special anointing that we don't actually have to worship Jesus. We actually have a relationship with God outside of Jesus, and you guys don't have to have one with Jesus either. But he says, don't get tricked by these false teachers. Verse 20, he says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. You have an anointing. We said last week we don't want to forget the things that we have in Christ, right? The way that this goes sideways is that we forget the things that we have. And what he's saying here is, you have an anointing, you have the Holy Spirit. There's no secret anointing that you don't have. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in you. There's not something else you need. You have it. The anointing that John is talking about is the Holy Spirit of God that marked you whenever you gave your life to Jesus. That's what John is talking about. The false teachers who left the church, they claimed this special anointing that gave them secret knowledge. And I've told you several times in this uh, series that they were propagating this sort of early form of Gnosticism, which is that we have secret knowledge that gives us some sort of elevated standing, and if you don't have the secret knowledge, you're a lesser person. And so, what they they denied Jesus was fully God and fully man because anybody who was truly spiritual wouldn't suffer. This is the the, the reason for their denial is that they reject this idea of suffering, and yet Jesus suffered. And so the teaching they promoted was a denial that Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the long-awaited king, God in the flesh. They were operating in a spirit that was not the Holy Spirit. And John says they're trying to trick you. And as we've established, none of us like to be tricked. But John says that the inheritance that those in the church have is an anointing of the Holy Spirit that will protect them from deception. If we don't want to be tricked, we need only remember that we've been given the Holy Spirit who protects us from deception. One of the reasons we find ourselves so deceived so often is because we're so unfamiliar with what the presence of the Spirit does and is like is that we sort of think the Spirit is like, you know, it's the father, son, and the, the other guy, right? It's the, the, the one that we don't really know what he does, and he's kind of like mystical, and we're not really sure. We know we got him. We don't really know what the point is. There's some crazy charismatics who say that that guy does things in the church and in the world, but we're not really sure what to do with that. The reason that we get deceived by so many weird spiritual things In our culture is because we're so unfamiliar with the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. We're so unfamiliar with what it's like. And so the way we protect ourselves, right? See if you see yourself in this. The way we protect ourselves from being deceived is we just decide all the signs and wonders stuff is crazy, right? It's the way we protect ourselves. So we, we build this faith that says we have the Holy Spirit, but if anybody does anything with the Holy Spirit, then that's got to be out of bounds, That's wrong, and we just sort of label it all as kind of wacko, right? Anybody feel that way? Nobody. Okay. (laughs) Trying to offend all of you at some point. So we decide that signs and wonders are out of bounds. This is what a lot of Christian uh, perspective uh, does. It says there should be no experiential component to our faith, and we build a faith that has no experience in it. The best thing that can happen in that way, the best thing that can happen, the highest hope, if that's what you do, is that you can have a faith that doesn't have the intimacy with Jesus to actually trust Jesus. That you can build a faith that you can control and that never surprises you, but when it comes down to it, you don't have enough intimacy with the Lord to actually do the things that he calls you to do. Because you don't trust him. That's the best. This is a high-water mark. That's the best thing you can hope for is that you wouldn't have the faith so people look at us like we're crazy. I mean, I feel like this is what a lot of times happens when we were sold our house to move here to plant a church. Lady across the street, devout Catholic, she came she was like, "Why would you even do that?" And I said, "The Lord told me to." I can't say, if I say no to this, if he doesn't have the right to tell me what to do when it's uncomfortable, I might as well quit pretending like I'm following him. We've had people, even since I quit my job at Sheets to work here, who are like, why would you do that? That just seems crazy. It's like, well, the Lord told us to. Yes, there's a huge pay cut, but we're doing what the Lord told us to do. And people look at us like we're crazy. But here's the thing, I've developed enough intimacy with the Lord to know that I can trust him. If we don't develop a a relationship and a life with Jesus that's built on that intimacy, that the Lord moves and he does things, at the very least that he comes and he holds us, we won't be able to trust him when he asks us to do other things. and We always will live this sort of surface faith. It's all head knowledge and there's no experience. That's the best. How do you feel about that? That's the best you could hope for. Here's the worst that you could hope for. We create a faith that has no experiential component, and then somebody comes along and says, check out all this wild experience, and we get duped into nonsense and into cults and into all kinds of things that are not based on Jesus because we don't know what the real thing is like. That's like the low part, right? The high part is that you just have a a faith with no intimacy. The low part is that you get deceived into things that are not from the Lord. Some of you will know this, when when, uh, federal agents get trained to spot counterfeit money. You guys know this story? When federal agents get trained to spot counterfeit money, they don't really spend any time teaching federal agents how to spot counterfeit. They don't train on counterfeit bills. They don't train on any of that. Do you know what they do? They teach them to handle the real thing, to love the real thing, to know the feel of the real thing and the smell of the, and the weight of the real thing so that after I got so familiar with the real thing, anything that's not authentic sticks out like a sore thumb. The same thing is true for us. If we don't have gobs and gobs of experience with the Holy Spirit, the real Holy Spirit, We'll be tricked by all kinds of things. But when we have more and more and more experience with the presence of God, the counterfeit sticks out a lot. You're like, wait a minute, I'm really familiar with the intimacy that I have with the Lord. And this doesn't feel like that. This feels unkind, and the Lord is always kind to me. This feels unkind. Even when the Lord corrects me, he's kind to me. Do you know this? Do you know this experience of the presence of God? That when the Lord comes, he's kind to you. And yet I go in some places and it's like, you you, you find these experiences that people call spiritual and it's unkind. I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't feel like the Lord. This doesn't sound like the Lord. I feel like you're belittling me and the Lord never belittles me. The way that we get the way that we protect against being deceived is we have lots and lots of experience of the real thing do you have that like when you think about your relationship with god do you have lots and lots of experience of intimacy with the lord like daily or is it like you know i come on sundays and you know i have it's a, it's a good time and worship and maybe i clap a little bit i sway And that's my experience. Or is it like a daily experience? My life is built around this idea that I need the Lord to come in a tangible way. I need the Lord to come in a tangible way. So I can't tell you how many situations I find myself in, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need you to come. I need you to come. Would you come in this space? I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that already today. That's a constant prayer in my life. And guess what? In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you know that the Lord has never let me down when I asked him for more of his presence? Never, never. In the most messed up spaces I've ever been in, When I ask for more of God's presence, he always gives it. Do you know that you can ask for more of God's presence? Like always. Like in your devotional time, right? You've been trained to read the Bible and, right, I have my reading plan and I make sure I read all the verses and it's this rote experience and maybe I write down a couple of things. But do you know that the Holy Spirit can meet you as you read? Like you can say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you illuminate this reading of your word? And do you know he will? Do you have that kind of intimacy with the Lord? Because if you don't, the best thing you can hope for is an intellectual faith that doesn't give you the grounds to trust him when he calls you to do things. The worst you can hope for is to be tricked. And none of us like to be tricked, right? Right? None of you put your hands up when I asked you if you'd like to be tricked. That's how I know. Which means we as followers of Jesus should have a regular practice of experience of the Spirit of God. In every space you find yourself, you can be in the grocery store line. Holy Spirit, would you come here? I, I promise you, you will. But how do we discern, okay, so, so we, can, we can have experience of, of the Spirit, but how do we discern that it's actually the Holy Spirit, right? Like, as soon as we're going to talk about spiritual things, there's, like, all kinds of other spirits, right? You're aware of this? Like, if you enter into the spiritual realm of things, there are spirits that don't actually like you. They're not good for you, right? If we talk about the Holy Spirit and the aspects of that, we also open ourselves up to the reality that there is the demonic and these other things that happen, right? So how do we discern what is the Holy Spirit and what is something else? Look again at verse 22. It says, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. Jesus says the way you can tell If it's the Holy Spirit or something else is, does this spirit confess that Jesus is the Christ? And you're like, oh, okay, that seems simple, but what does that look like in practice? How do I figure out if that's what's actually happening, right? Well, I mean, if somebody comes to you and says, I don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, well, it's fairly evident, right? But how many times have you ever had that happen? Like, How many of you have had somebody come up and just say, just want you to know, I don't believe Jesus is the Christ? And even if they did, would you know what that meant? See, there's a whole bunch of other stuff underneath that that we have to understand. See, what John is saying is that the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus as the King. Always. It always points to Jesus as the crucified and risen Messiah. And so everything that the Spirit does is to proclaim Jesus as King. And because that's true, the anointing of the Spirit within us always points to Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit's job is to make Jesus known. Jesus gets all the glory. Some of you can already see where I'm going with this. One way you can tell that another Spirit is at work is because somebody other than Jesus gets the glory for what's happening. We can tell that a Spirit is not the Holy Spirit whenever it doesn't elevate and exalt Jesus. And I think this is the temptation of everyone in public ministry. If you've ever done any sort of, I'm, I mean, maybe preach, maybe pray for healing for someone, share your faith in public, anything where your faith comes out of your mouth or out of you know, your limited internal experience and it goes somewhere, the temptation here is that we begin to take glory for things that Jesus is supposed to get glory for, right? Like you go share your faith with your neighbor and... and, and It goes well. Like, they don't punch you. Turns out most of the time that won't happen. Like, people generally won't punch you if you share your faith with them. Sometimes they might. That's a risk you'd be willing to take, I guess. But you go share your faith with your neighbor, and it goes pretty well, and you're like, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. But you do that a few times, and people are like, wow, you're such a great evangelist. And you go, you know, I kind of am. There's another spirit at work. Right? Right? All the glory belongs to Jesus. If you you begin to pray for healing for people, the first time you ever pray for healing for someone and it happens, I mean, you're sort of like, "I, I don't know what I just witnessed. Like, I put my hands on this person, I prayed for healing, they're better, and I don't know what to do with this. And Jesus gets exalted, right? Like, I know myself, I know that I can't do this. Jesus is amazing. And you go, I don't know how this worked, I read it in the Bible. I thought I'd try it, right? The first time you do that, Jesus gets exalted. But after you do that a handful of times, people are like, man, you have a great healing ministry. And you start going, I kind of do, don't I? And you start stealing the glory that belongs to Jesus. Do you see how this happens? There's another spirit at work. Or if you get up, you get a chance to to preach, and of course, every last one of us who stands up here to do this wants you to say, good job, right? We all want to know that you guys thought it was good and that it was beneficial and that it was helpful. And whenever someone comes to Christ as a result of preaching, you're like, Jesus is amazing, Because all I did was stand up here and talk for a while and somebody said, I want to give my life to Jesus. But after you do it for a little while and you begin to craft things and you put things together and you're like, if I put a story here and people then begin to go, that was really great. And you go, yeah, I know. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Just We're doing Christian things here And yet another spirit can be at work because the Holy Spirit is always to elevate Jesus. I don't have a ministry. You don't have a ministry. There's only one ministry. It belongs to Jesus. And we've been cordially invited to participate. But the ministry of Jesus is always to glorify Jesus. And if it glorifies anyone else, there's another spirit at play. Another way you can tell that some, something other than the Holy Spirit is at work is that it creates novel teaching. Look at verse 27. It says, "...as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you." Interesting that John is saying this as he's teaching them. "...but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Jesus says, or John says that apart from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you don't need a teacher. That when you've been handed the truth, which is Jesus, when you've been handed the foundations of faith in Jesus, you don't need a teacher that the Holy Spirit will teach you. And you're like, what are you doing up there then? Right? Right? Like, this seems kind of productive. Do you know there's no new teaching at all? Like every week I open this book and I teach you something that somebody else taught. Do you realize that? There's no new teaching. I may help you apply this in a different way, culturally speaking, but the, the truth is the truth and I'm just reteaching what John taught. You realize that's what's happening, right? I'm more or less plagiarizing and twisting what John said right? Which is kind of comical. Those of you who have ever done preaching, everybody's really worried about plagiarism. And I'm like, every last one of us is plagiarizing this book. There's no new teaching. There's maybe new application, but there is no new teaching. We stand in continuity with 2,000 years of church history of people opening a book that was authored by the Word of Life himself through people. There's no new teaching. But whenever another spirit is at work, what happens is new teaching comes out. All of a sudden, there's new things to teach you. My mentor in Columbus who who, uh, helped uh, me learn how to preach, he said, if you ever find yourself about to come up with a novel interpretation of Scripture you can be sure that it's not the Holy Spirit who's teaching you. Think about it for a minute. If I pick something up that the church and all the early church fathers missed, do you realize how arrogant that sounds? Hold on, let me give you this novel. But that's the temptation all the time is to go, well, i got to bring something new. No, we say the same thing for 2,000 years. There's no new teaching, but when another spirit is at work, there's novel teaching. If you are studying Scripture in your personal life, and you're just new revelation after new revelation after new revelation, man, the Apostle John himself wasn't so brilliant. You can rest assured that's not the Holy Spirit teaching you, that there is no new teaching. These are ways that we can discover that something else is at work. If the way you can tell that the Holy Spirit is at work is that Jesus gets the glory all the time. That the, the spirit that we have points to Jesus. And if it doesn't, there's something else at play. There's something else at work. I mean, the fact of the matter is, when we pray for healing for people, we're just pointing back to the healing ministry of Jesus. Jesus. That's all we're doing. If we're taking credit for it, something is amiss. The way you cannot be tricked is that you recognize the authentic experience of the Holy Spirit. And you recognize that the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, always. It always elevates Jesus. The Holy Spirit always teaches about Jesus. Jesus is always the one who gets the glory. We don't want to be tricked, do we? Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.